Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. The Guardian. Okay, so well, you go first, starting now. Amphros. Articuno. Um, Alakazam. Abra, easy. <laughs> Anarith. Oh. Okay, I'm gonna switch. Bulbasaur. Uh, Bronzog. <laughs> Butterfree. <laughs> we could have gone on for a long time here. Video games critic Laura Dale and I have played Pokemon for many years through multiple generations of the game. I'm sure there's one that looks like a bear that has a name like a bear, but I can't remember oh, what it is. Oh, beware. Beware, is that what it's called? Laura recently embarked on a quest in the most recent core Pokemon game where she's been trying to collect the rare, shiny versions of all 151 Pokemon. So far, she has spent more than 400 hours on the game. Every Pokemon that spawns in most of the Pokemon games has a 1 in 4,000 chance of being a different colour variant that is rarer than normal. And it doesn't do anything special, it's just a different colour. <laughs> but I decided that I wanted to catch all 171 of these alternate variant colour very rare Pokemon. Oh my gosh. Wait, 171? Yeah. Oh, because of Alola. Yeah, so there's 151 regular, like, Generation 1 Pokemon. There's two brand new ones called Meltan and Melmetal. And then there's 19, I think, uh, Alolan forms of Gen 1 Pokemon. As you can imagine, over the last 23 years, people have spent hours and hours engaging with these games and other Pokemon products. There have been television shows, toys, and an incredibly popular trading card game, among other things, all based on the original Pokemon games. But the company doesn't just want us to engage with their games while we're awake they're now planning to make it possible for us to get involved in our sleep. The company's stated aim is to encourage you to sleep more, so to, as part of encouraging a healthy lifestyle. At a press conference at the end of May, the CEO of the Pokemon company announced that sometime in 2020, it was going to launch a new app, Pokemon Sleep. Everyone spends a large part of their lives sleeping, and turning that into entertainment is our next challenge at Pokemon. This news raises the question, should we gamify everything we do? And if we do, does adding a reward system risk the natural way we walk, talk, sleep, or even breathe? 
the reason why people, sleep specialists keep talking about letting go of phones an hour before you go to sleep or whatever is to just let your mind rest to get you to wind down literally wind down so if there's any kind of idea that this winding down time um, is necessary is going to be rewarded that isn't going to allow you to wind down because it becomes too much of an awake thing I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and this week I'm taking a trip down Pokemon memory lane and questioning whether an app that rewards us for, quote, good sleeping habits could potentially damage the way we sleep in the long run. This is Chips With Everything. Okay, so let's go back a bit then to the history of Pokemon. Who created Pokemon and where did the idea come from? So it was created in the, the, the early 90s by Satoshi Tajiri. And a lot of the the idea for the game came from his interest and fascination in finding and collecting bugs as a child. Sort of like finding these, these little creatures that you didn't know were around, just sort of hidden in the world around you. The other aspect to it was that he was heavily interested at the time in an Ultraman TV series over in Japan called Ultraman 7 in which the protagonist used giant monsters that he captured in small capsules to help him fight. Mm. And it was a combination of this capturing monsters to fight with, plus an interest in finding, you know, small hidden creatures out in the world that came together to be the idea of Pokemon. That's so cute, actually. Like, it's such a a kind of um, a nice beginning for a video game. Exactly. And considering how big this game is now, it might surprise you to know that, like, he really struggled to pitch this game initially. Um, he spent like years trying to pitch this game to Nintendo and they just weren't interested in the idea. It wasn't until he ended up making friends with Shigeru Miyamoto and pitching, getting him to pitch the idea to Nintendo that the idea got off the ground. For people who don't know who Miyamoto is, can you explain? Shigeru Miyamoto is a very, very famous um game designer at Nintendo. He is the person who you would probably think of when you think of Super Mario and The Legend of Zelda. He's he's the big person who spearheaded both of those for Nintendo, so he had a lot of sway at the company. Mm, a good person to have on side. Yeah, if you can convince Miyamoto that your your game is a good idea, that's a good way to get Nintendo on board with it. So the first generation of Pokemon games launched in Japan in 1996. Obviously now they are a huge global sensation, but how were they first received by players back then? They weren't a huge success at the time. They were moderately successful, but a big part of them becoming a global phenomenon was actually quite a while after launch. Um, So one of those first 151 Pokemon is Mew. And when they initially released the game, They didn't tell anyone that Mew was in the game. They wanted to keep it held back for special events or if they needed to drum up excitement for the game. And Mm. people started to catch wind that there was this secret hidden Pokemon in there that people didn't know how to find. So there was a Japanese magazine that ran a competition and they were like, we will give away 20 of this very rare Pokemon to the people who enter our competition. Tens of thousands of people entered and it really got excitement for the game going and that was what sort of kick-started it into being something more popular. Rarely has the Millennium Dome had so many fans. Hordes of children queuing for the biggest Pokemon event in Europe, ready to pitch Pikachu against Poliwhirl. The trading card game is the most popular in the Pokemon line. 
with 200 million cards. Some listeners will remember when the Pokemon trading cards came out. I remember for ages I only had a handful, nowhere near enough to form a deck, but I desperately wanted to play the game, so I came up with my own rules to do so with the few cards I had. Laura explains that a key part of the success of Pokemon is how good the company has been at coming up with different ways for people to buy into the brand. The key selling point of that series has always been, got to catch them all. And that has worked really well as a core idea for getting people to buy into lots and lots of different ways to engage with it. Like, there is the trading card game, obviously, which is still going very strong 20 years on. They have done a really good job of finding different kinds of mechanics and different ways of playing to get these recognisable characters continuously in front of new people. Since you grew up with Pokemon, what do you remember as some of the key points in its history? The first moment that I remember being a really big point in Pokemon's history was around the the turn of the century. We had the second generation of Pokemon games come out, and that established a lot of things that were big parts of this franchise going forward. It was the idea that you could bring your collection from this game forward to the next game. It was, Mm. hey, it's not just 150 of these creatures, we're going to keep adding more, here's another 100. It added features like breeding, it introduced features like shiny Pokemon uh, (laughs) were first introduced there. It, It introduced a lot of the things that took it from, here is the basic concept of catch all of the monsters and beat the the end of the story, up to something that had a much grander vision for what the future would be. It started to paint this as a series where it's like, there's going to continuously be more and more and more of these monsters and you'll be able to do more things with them and you need to play every game because you'll be bringing your collection forward and you want to have all of them, not just in this game, but all of them from all the games. On top of that, the Pokemon the first movie, it was a ludicrously big moment. It really showed the size and scale of that phenomenon. And it was really tied in, I think, to things like the craze of the Pokemon cards. Like, go and see the movie and you would get special Pokemon cards that you could only get by seeing the film. And Oh yeah, I got a Mew. Yeah, I, I still have my <laughs> Mew from that. That was one of the first times that I think it became clear that this franchise had the power to really push numbers if it put the right marketing behind it. So we know the people behind the original concept back in 1996, but who is behind making games for Pokemon these days? So are the people who make the games part of the larger Pokemon brand, or do they kind of outsource the brand to other people? The ownership of Pokemon is a little bit complicated. It's basically the same people who used to make it still make it. Um, You've got... The Pokemon Company and Creatures Inc., which are a pair of companies that basically handle promotion, licensing, getting Pokemon branded stuff out there in the world. There is Game Freak, who are the company who develop the games, and they've been developing them since the very beginning, and they develop all of the the core entries in the series. And then you have Nintendo, which owns a third of the Pokemon brand, but doesn't actually make the games. They just sort of license them and they have the exclusivity to publish them, but they don't really have a hand in making the games. 
Using a smartphone, players can find virtual creatures overlaid on a real-world view using their phone's camera. It's become a global... Two decades after the first Pokemon game was released, in 2016, Pokemon Go hit the App Store. You go out in the real world, you look at your phone, and your phone knows where you are. There will be Pokemon that pop up, and they'll pop up in the same location for everyone. So if you find a rare Pokemon, you can tell your friends and they can run over and find it there too. <laughs> and it's a simple version of the basic Pokemon formula. Go and find all the Pokemon, evolve them into their strongest forms. When the game launched, it was mainly just find the Pokemon, catch them by flicking a Pokeball at them on your touchscreen, and you couldn't really do much else with them. At this point, there's raid battles where groups of up to 10 people have to come together and fight a Pokemon as a group to have any chance of catching it. They've got trainer versus trainer battles and trading, and it's become quite a fully featured Pokemon game. The, the game was incredibly popular. As of February 2019, it's been downloaded by over 1 billion people worldwide. I found Pokemon Go at just the right time in my life. I'd just had some surgery happen and I was struggling to walk. So it was it was a really useful game to gamify going out and walking and to make going out and walking something exciting, something I felt the desire to do on a regular basis. But beyond that, I recently moved to a new town and it was a really nice way to meet new friendly people in the area and get to know people who lived who lived near me. And I just like having full collections of things. I, I love <laughs> collecting things and being like, yes, I have all of the things. I've, I've done I've done well. <laughs> it's a good feeling. <laughs> Pokemon Go obviously was a huge hit when it came out and it still has millions of players. And it's meant that other game developers have tried to make their own versions with different brands of these augmented reality games, but none of them has been quite as successful. Do you think that that is because Pokemon Go is just a superior game or do you think it's because of the, the brand itself and the history that people have with these creatures? I think there's definitely a bit of a combination. Um, I think that the brand helped Pokemon Go to be the first one that would blow up and make the idea viable. People's nostalgia and excitement around the launch made those first few weeks as hugely popular as they were. But beyond that, I think a lot of its staying power is a combination of the strength of the brand, the strength of the established roster of characters that's there. Like, a lot of work's already been done, they're not having to create lots of new creatures over time to keep it updated. And I think most people only have time in their life for one of these kind of games. And if you've already put a couple of years into Pokemon Go, you have to start asking yourself, do I want to give up my two years of investment into Pokemon Go to start on something new from scratch? The answer for most people is probably going to be no. Mm. Like, their friends are, all, are still playing Pokemon Go, that's the game that has had two years of updates to get it to where it needs to be, that you already have a community with, you're probably in raiding groups and trading groups on Facebook for your local area. It feels like giving up a lot of invested play and time to move over to a new game. And as such, I think most people who started with Pokemon Go stick with it. After the break, I'll take a look at the next app that the Pokemon company hopes to launch, Pokemon Sleep. It could also, you know, from a cynical point of view, it could just be that it's not really about encouraging a healthy lifestyle. It's more trying to show you that tech can be healthy when everyone's saying it's 
for your sleep anyway. It's not that healthy. More on that after the break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. The Voice Lab from The Guardian. Hey, do you ever want a quick catch-up on the news headlines first thing in the morning while you're making breakfast or getting dressed? Well, if you have a Google Assistant or Google Home, we can help with that. The Guardian Briefing is an experiment from The Voice Lab, which in under two minutes brings you up to speed with what you need to know about the day's top stories. We'll make sure you don't miss a thing. To listen at any time, just say, Hey Google, speak to The Guardian Briefing. Welcome back to Chips With Everything. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Before the break, video games critic Laura Dale gave us a history lesson on the Pokemon franchise that so many of us grew up loving. As she explained, for most of the noughties, Pokemon didn't change much. They added a new generation of Pokemon with loads of new creatures every couple of years, and there were a few spin-offs. But Pokemon hit peak phenomenon level in 2016 with the launch of Pokemon Go, an app which essentially gamified the concept of getting out of the house and walking around, all with the goal, of course, of finding Pokemon and catching them all. And now, the Pokemon company wants to reward us for how well we sleep. So my name's Dale Burningsauer and I'm a freelance journalist and writer. Are you a Pokemon fan? I haven't actually played Pokemon, so it kind of felt a bit odd to be writing about it. I <laughs> thought gamers might take issue with that. Dale wrote an article in the wake of the announcement of Pokemon Sleep. During that initial press conference, Sunikazu Ishihara said that the Pokemon company were going to, quote, turn sleeping into entertainment. No one actually knows what the game's going to be like yet. People assume that it will involve Snorlax. And that, <laughs> Snorlax, for people who don't know, a Pokemon that famously sleeps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so he's the most appropriate figure you could want, really. And then they assume that there'll be some kind of tie-in with Pokemon Go so that you can accumulate points or in some way port it over into your waking activities. Okay, so data from your sleep will be used to affect... Yeah, that you'll be rewarded for the amount of sleep that you get. And the company's stated aim is to encourage you to sleep more. So to as part of encouraging a healthy lifestyle, how that will play out, no one knows yet. And he also announced a new device alongside Pokemon Sleep. Can you tell us yeah. more about that? Um, again, no one really knows what it will be, <laughs> except that it will connect to your phone via Bluetooth and it'll be either something you wear around your neck 
or around your wrist, something like a Fitbit. Pokemon Sleep isn't set to launch until 2020, and we don't know exactly how the technology will work, but the Pokemon company has partnered with Nintendo on a sleep tracking device that will connect with both Pokemon Sleep and Pokemon Go. According to the press release, the device will use an embedded accelerometer to track a user's time sleeping and send this information to their smartphone via Bluetooth. How exactly this will all work together is unclear, but there has been plenty of speculation. You can't really play while you're asleep, but they imagine you'll be able to accumulate points, Mm. basically. So it's your behaviour that's being rewarded rather than anything else that you're doing. It's just your sleep that's being rewarded and how you then use those rewards. So I guess kind of passive play then, because it's not you can't do anything active while you're sleeping. No, well, you know, you'd hope not, (laughs) because then you'd be awake. (laughs) So off the back of this announcement, you spoke to some sleep specialists who aren't very keen on this idea. What are some of their concerns? For sleep experts, the people who sleep the best are the people who are unaware of what they're doing. They don't think about it too much. They just sleep. The person who sleeps the best will be the person who can't tell you how they do it. They (laughs) just do it. Um, The people who sleep the least are those, or at least if you have a sleep problem, you become obsessed with how to get more sleep. Mm. And this whole awareness around the activity is something that can then make your sleep worse. Another of their worries was that it could feed into, so some commenters didn't quite get this, but it, that it could feed into that kind of idea that's out there that you can survive on very little sleep. By making you count how many hours you sleep, it can create competitivity, you know. Mm. And that level of awareness and also of detail could also impact your ability to just fall asleep. So it might have the reverse effect from what the Pokemon company is looking for. They want people to sleep more, but you might have some people going, ah, I didn't get any rewards today because I only had four hours and look at me, I'm still functioning. Yeah, it's just making you aware of what you're doing. So obviously the two experts that I spoke to, they thought that being made to focus on rest is a good thing. It's this idea that uh, sleep be something that's either rewarded or um, applauded. It shouldn't be that because sleep should be a natural part of life and an essential part of life rather than some some form of entertainment. Nowadays, there are ways to gamify all sorts of things, right? So, So diet, sleep, exercise. What do you think that society's love of gamification tells us about humanity? I mean, gamification is applying the mechanics of gaming to other behaviours and to desired behaviours. And so that makes you think, well, who's desiring those behaviours and why? Most apps involve some part of gamification and it's a way to just foster and then maintain engagement, right? To keep you there doing what you're doing. You're rewarded for being on social networks, you're rewarded for learning a language, all those different things. So I think gamification tells us a lot about how we monetize things because gaming is addictive. Gaming brings about happiness, it brings about competitivity, all these things that are quite basic human characteristics. We heard from Laura earlier, who said that for her, Pokemon Go ended up gamifying going outside for a walk, and that it also helped her to meet people when she moved into a new area. The Pokemon company has said they want to turn sleep into entertainment, but they refer to it as an app rather than a game. Laura thinks it's a blurry line. I hope that we don't go too much further down the rabbit hole. Um, There is the obvious concern, I think, of giving 
any one company too much hyper-specific detail about how you live your life. That is the trade-off for these kind of games. You are giving a lot of your personal information to a company, but as long as people keep buying into these ideas, I think we'll keep seeing things like this. I wouldn't be shocked or surprised if we one day saw Pokemon Eat, for example. <laughs> I don't think it's coming anytime soon, but if it happened, I would probably go, yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> When Pokemon Sleep does launch in 2020, are you going to try it? Yeah, I will I will try Pokemon Sleep. I, I obviously want to know what the specifics are of, of what its metrics of a good night's sleep are. But I like Pokemon. I, I have stuck with this brand for 20 years. If, if, if I can get rewards in Pokemon for going to bed at a reasonable hour, then that sounds like a win-win to me. <laughs> and 400 hours into Pokemon Let's Go, have you finished your quest to catch all the shinies i have finished my quest to catch all the shinies but i'm still not done with that game <laughs> so when you beat the main huge thanks to dale burning sour and laura dale for joining me on this pokemon themed episode as you know, we're always looking for great ideas for the show, so make sure to drop me a line at chipspodcast at theguardian.com. But that's all from me. I'm off to find more shinies. I've got some serious catching up to do. Chips is produced by Danielle Stevens. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.